Okay, we are live. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Meet the Masters. Tim Watson here, joined today by Master Nick Acri. Hello, sir. Welcome. Thanks for having me on today. Oh, thanks for joining me. How's it going, man? It's going well. It's one of those weird things where, you know, I'm used to seeing my Region 8 friends, I don't know, at least four or five, six times a year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, outside of some of the people that I've seen for uh, Don testing, I haven't seen, you know, it's been over a year since I've seen a lot of uh, people. So, yeah, I'm very excited about the clinics coming up to get at least some of that back. And hopefully things will start picking up. Yeah. So talk to us about how, how was your year since, you know, what, March, March of last year, what does your year look like? Um, it was hectic like everybody else, um, at the time. And actually I just recently, um, I was with UPS. So just recently I quit UPS, but, um, as you can imagine, everybody shipping things from like home so that because they couldn't leave uh, that kind of thing increased and it's like Christmas never ended. So super crazy hours. Uh, the one fortunate thing that happened, like right as we were told that we weren't um, allowed to be in the studio uh, was actually the week I had set aside for master's clinic. Mm. So I was in the studio every day, knocking out as many videos as possible for my students to, to help supplement their training and figure out a game plan for that. So um, that was one fortunate alignment that happened was that that master's clinic that unfortunately got canceled, but at least I, I utilized that time that I didn't have to also work that early morning job. That's definitely helpful. So I, I we definitely put out a lot of videos, but um, you know, some people were more uh, productive than others. How, how, how many did you end up doing in that week? I lost count. I was trying to get like two to three done a day. Um, and then just kind of post them into Vimeo and then publish them to the, like that. We use the My Studio app like a couple other people do. Okay. So we made access to them there. And um, and then I was doing, I didn't right off the bat do the Zoom thing with the, the intro. I did the one-on-one type of instruction with, with that. But with group classes, I just had everybody log into our private group on Facebook Live and just kind of let a class that way. I didn't have, it was hard to get a hold of equipment. I didn't have a lot to begin with. So I did with what I had. We did the Facebook Live. I look back and, and just, it was exhausting to teach that way. <laughs> yes. Yes. I felt like I, I have a new appreciation for the, the fitness level, like type of instructor where they're constantly working out with the group to keep them motivated. Um, that's not always my teaching style, but doing that on a more regular basis, it definitely, I felt more fit, but I definitely felt exhausted at the same time. Yeah. I remember I, I tried to do a kickboxing class one time and I didn't have any music and I'm sitting there doing stuff and I'm trying not to breathe, breathe too heavy or <laughs> like look too winded. It was, yeah. uh, that was not my favorite uh, thing to do, yeah. but it, you know, it was a bandaid to get us through uh, a trying time <laughs> mm-hmm. and zoom, zoom was definitely easier. It was, it was, you know, you, you at least had an interaction with the Facebook. It's just like, I hope someone's watching. Right. Uh, yeah you can comment every once in a while then you'd be like stop commenting you should be working out right yeah <laughs> uh, a couple of people are saying hello uh natalie and uh, Lindsay from great britain are saying saying checking in saying hi uh tom lyons and uh jose rivera from puerto rico uh he says hello, hello. yeah he's awesome he's a great guy 
Um, how did, do you know him from doing security? Um, I didn't do security at Worlds. Oh, okay. I more so like at the Region Eight events, I was I did security, but not not so much at Worlds. Um, mostly judging assignments for the World Tournaments. Yeah, I, I'm always in the same boat there. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, fast forwarding a little bit as far as teaching, you mentioned that you uh, recently quit the UPS. Was that because the studio's picking back up or? Um, it's because I wanted the studio to pick back up. Okay. It was one of those where um, being like, it was like burning the candle at both ends constantly. So I constantly, it was just, I knew it wasn't going to go anywhere if I continued to do it that way. Uh, with getting up super early in the morning and then teaching through like like normal teaching hours everybody's used to and then getting next to no sleep like I I I'm was grumbly at best was putting it nicely uh, <laughs> so, like keeping it down making sure that I can prop like teach a proper class and, and not be a bear to be around was, was just getting to the point where enough was enough so um it was funny like I had a vacation that was like pre-planned and then I, I just, it hit me. I'm like, yep, I'm, I'm not coming back after vacation. So I, I gave my notice and like, just wished them well and I was done. So uh, coincidentally, it did start pick up with uh, students coming in and getting more trials and stuff like that. So it just, things align nicely that way. Yeah, for, for those of you, or for anyone that doesn't have a, a full-time, you know, studio, that loser, you- uh, um, I can hear you, but you're frozen. Oh, um, it's the same way on your side. There we go. Okay. All right. <laughs> what I was going to say is uh, to come in every night and to teach four, you know, four, however many classes that you have a, uh, a night is it's exhausting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a lot of work, right? Because you got, you have to be on, you, you have to be energetic, you have to be engaging. Uh, so I, I, I can understand doing a eight, nine, 10 hour job and then having to put on your dobok and then teach. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's a definite uh, drain to, to say the least. So um, I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. <laughs> you don't have to do it, but I mean, you do what you do to get through. Like, I, I mean, I've always wanted the studio to be the main income. Um, and I mean, at first that was like having that part-time job was like that kind of that crutch, but uh, it's just to seeing so many other people be so successful. It's like, I can do this. I'll, I'll figure this out and make it work in the long run. Now, as far as classes go, are you teaching? What, what's the earliest you teach? Um, I start, the earliest I start is uh, 430 right now. Um, what about age? Uh, age four, we teach as young as four. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. My Little Dragons program is, is not the it, very large it kind of goes it comes and goes like i'll get a huge slew of dragons and then they'll then they'll kind of dissipate and i'll have like one or two and then i'll go through this like well maybe i should just like not focus on that age group anymore and start them at like seven or eight and then all of a sudden i'll get like a bunch of inquiries about little dragons again so it's an interesting kind of flow with that, with that age group it, it is and and just like any age range uh it takes a certain person to be able to engage those four, five, and six-year-olds. Yes. Uh, we we've we've had some people, uh, some two and three-year-olds try to come in. And it's like I don't. We do four. It's yeah, like, I I've had a couple not, actually in recent weeks ask about well about three, and I'm like I'm sorry. I I've tried. 
I said, I just, that just seems to be too young. Yeah. For the attention span isn't there. Sometimes they're just, the bathroom habits aren't where you want them to be as far as like getting themselves there in time or whatever. So sometimes it's, it's hard enough for the five and six year olds to get there. <laughs> and then you always have that one kid that always has to go to the bathroom, like has to take the tour of the studio every class. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that the, there's tons of little dragon stories out there. All the instructors oh, yeah. probably write a book. Actually, that's what I did my thesis on. I how to how to uh, start up and run a tiger dragon program. <laughs> that's awesome. I think I'm gonna have to get a hold of that. I'm sure there's something. I, that, I'll um, have to look back at it to see if you know that was. It's it's weird. You know, it was five six years ago. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, there's some content that's useful. Yeah. <laughs> so, as far as getting getting your start in the martial arts, how how did you how did you come about getting interested in uh joining classes i was one of those kids that always like like martial arts movies or action movies in general but it was always like the martial arts or combat aspect of it that i thought was really really cool um like bruce lee enter the dragon things like that and then but we moved around a lot when i was younger so it's not like we could ever have a spot like we could join a class or anything like that and it was an income thing too um when i finally moved to the wilkesbury area uh, i had friends that were involved in um in a studio and then well we go here and then it was um well can i can i kind of check out my mom finally kind of agreed to let me go check out um a class and actually tung Tzu wasn't the first one that i went to i actually went to i think it was like kempo i just didn't like the atmosphere and like you know like you walk into a place you just you're just not feeling it sure. so um like my brother and i we both watched the class and like then they have like you know like the, the meeting where they talk to the parents and tell them what it's going to be about and like we just didn't we weren't feeling it so then the next place we went to was actually master leone studio where my like a couple of my other friends took me to and um that was it was much um much different it was a much more welcoming atmosphere everybody seemed to um it like it was like an extended family right off the bat um and master leone was was like it was like a very humble but like you knew like he he knew like you knew to follow him it was it's hard to explain like he was a very um humble person um to be around but like when when he taught a class like you knew he, he expected a certain effort out like you always gave him your best effort because you could tell that's that's what he was expecting out of you yeah you know it's interesting i talk to people who you know say they leave leave the studio and they they're asking for suggestions for uh starting up a new place and you made a great point where you probably had no idea, honestly, what Kempo or Tung Sudo means. But mm-hmm. even as a kid, you kind of felt the vibe of the studio and you're like, uh, and then, you know, you, you it, it, a lot of it's about the instructor and, uh, you know, what he's been able to build around or he or she has been able to build around. So I, I, I think that's pretty cool that even as a kid, how old were you that you, fig- you were able to figure that out? I was, I was 15 when I started. Okay. Um, and my brother's two years younger than me. So he actually started at the same time. Um, but what happened with him is as he got older and we, I think it was green, we both made it to green belt and then he was getting interested in football and then something happened where, no, yeah, he actually broke his leg and he was very competitive. So he didn't want to be left behind. So he had that, like, I'm not going back there and Nick's ahead of me now and I'm in football. So, and so he, he, um, continued on with, with football through high school and college. And I just continued with, um, martial arts the whole time. 
and because it was just it was just my niche it's just like i felt like i was home i is i i tried other sports like i tried baseball when i was before that with one like a teener league and and i tried like track and field at, at, the, at, a, at the high school and it's just i didn't it just wasn't something that spoke to me but when i got into the studio at master leones and like i had my first intro lesson it was it was just like as i was like it was home i was i was instantly home it's like something i i knew i was going to enjoy now this is probably something i should be better at but uh you know home for you you said wilkesbury uh for those of you who don't know that's in pennsylvania Correct. kind of in the middle of pennsylvania basically uh, it's kind of labeled as northeast pennsylvania okay gotcha um, yeah we're in the northeast pennsylvania area my studio is in kingston um so that's a little bit like that's across the river so it's in the same general area uh if those of you that are familiar with scranton um we're about 30 minutes ish from from scranton um so if you watch the office like that where that's based out of like that's where i live near there you go <laughs> kind of funny so like, there's, like, there's, like, where's I'm like you know where scranton is oh yeah the office yes that's that's where i live in the office you got me <laughs> So, yeah, right. <laughs> I, you know, even I, I remember when we had the the tournament up in Scranton. It was mm -hmm. that was the first time I'd ever been up that way. Yeah, that was actually um, held at the place that I went to college. It was held at the University of Scranton. Oh, but yeah, that was I was familiar with it on on uh, to begin with. I think that's why that was what well, was I think at the time. Um, Master Connor was part of the setup committee, so by proxy at that time, I was expected to, to help out with that as well. A couple more people saying hi. Uh, Brian Ormiston says hello. Uh, Boboli from, um, oh man, I, I'm blanking on the country. Is the, the new, new studio uh, from the region from South Africa. Ian Crook says good evening, and uh, Christina Olson says hi from California. Awesome. I'm actually excited. I'm going to be talking to her next week. Very cool. Spoiler alert. Um, yeah, so, you know, you're 15, you start with Master Leone. What what was it about training or what was training back then with him uh, that, that drew you to it and made it kind of your niche? Um, I don't know. It's hard to describe. Um, it's like my first intro, I, I kind of like remember of going in there like Masleon and introduced himself and then like he was teaching a class but he liked the, the beginning students kind of take them off the side with one of his black belts and um have them go over like a few things before they join the rest of the class so that they're not like totally lost which makes total sense it's kind of like i still do that to this day sure. um and i remember the the person the black belt that he had was his name was john bindo and i think some people that have been around for a while might recognize that name um, cause I also remember him telling stories where he used to actually go to fishing trips and things like that with Grandmaster Shin. Like, so he goes, he goes relatively far back, but it, it's, I can describe him as like a very tall, he was very tall and very grumbly, but it's like, okay, I better listen to what this guy's telling me because like, if I don't, I'm going to be in trouble. So it's like, but I didn't feel, I don't know, it was, it was scared, but it, but more respectful scared than anything else. Cause like you could tell, again, he knew his stuff. The master instructor told you that like he's going to take it set you up the side with this black belt it's like this guy must know what he's doing um but classes were just he like you worked really really hard and you you were just you were just pushed to what you thought was what your limit was and then 
when you realize that like I did that, like that's awesome. Like so we would just like marching drills up and down the floor, um, just calisthenics, like the you know, like we usually do for testing, jumping jacks, push-ups, like going through our forms or one step sparring. Um, classes at the time were about an hour and 15 minutes long in, at his studio. And he only had them three times a week. He didn't have this like a long week schedule. It was Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, and it got to the point where my friends knew like, don't, don't bother me on the, the, during class time, you know, I'm not going to go out and hang out with you. And if it's like right afterwards, just expect me to be sweaty because I'm going to go, like, <laughs> I'll meet you anywhere. But I'm, if, if you don't give me time to go home and shower, then that's your fault. So, so they, they, they knew at that point, like that was like where I was going to be for that. Um, and then what eventually as I train, I trained all the way until Edon with Master Leon. So, um, what can else can I say about that studio? It was. Wow. What, are, what are some of the, what are some of the things that maybe attributes that uh, you took from Master Leon now that you use as a as a teacher, or that you try to emulate, you know, from him? Um, I try to make sure, like even like when I teach my students that, like I want them to to do their best on their own without me having to push them so much. Like, so like things like, well, get, this is what a stance should look like. So like, you should feel like you want to work harder. So like, and he always had this way of like, you knew he expected you to push that front stance or um, punch as hard as you can, or do this many kicks as hard as you can and improve each one little by little. So I, I really try to impart that on, on my students that it's, it's really their responsibility to get better. Like I'll show them the way, but like I can't force them down the path kind of thing. And he was really good at doing that. And I, and I tried to emulate that the best I can. I love that you said that because I, I, I've been trying to do that a lot lately on my end. Uh, you know, we had gup testing the other day and I, I had them was like, all right, everyone show me a front stance. Everyone show me a horse stance. All right, everyone show me a good fighting stance. Excellent. You did them as best as you could. I want you to make sure you do that in everything that you do. So I, I'm, you know, I, I love, like I said, I have been doing that a lot lately as well, where it's just like, you know how to do this stuff. You just got to remember to do it and do it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard. It's hard as, as kids, you know, uh, especially kids, <laughs> right. to, you know, focus and, and be hard. And even adults, where we you got other stuff going on and uh, it's not always easy to, to give a hundred percent. So mm-hmm. uh, and when it's, it's I try to point out like the feelings that they get when they do those things. So like, look at that stance, look at how awesome that is. You weren't doing that last week. How much better does that feel? Or um, I found another trick is if you point out like a kid that's doing really, really well, it's like, oh, look at that, that stance, like awesome job. And then the rest of them, like they had that internal um, competition where it's all of a sudden like the whole class is just whoosh and they all, all drop into this amazing um, front stance or, or do this amazing form because like you pointed out that one person did an excellent job and then all of a sudden like the whole class is just on fire. Right. The Jedi mind tricks, if you will. <laughs> Was, was there anyone back when you started with Master Leon up to through Edon that, that was that person uh, that you trained with that kind of pushed you to, to be better? Um, there are a number, like a, a number of the black belts already that were there. Um, just, they were just awesome. Like they were hit with him for a while. They already like had the habit of things. And it's just, you saw 
like the what you wanted your goal uh, to be, and you tried to just emulate it the best you could. And obviously, as like a white belt, orange belt, green belt, whatever, you're not gonna be as good at that black belt, but just trying. So that's why I like the mixed classes for uh, like at that time were awesome because you knew like where you were going by seeing the groups ahead of you. So and there and there's a couple that kind of like um, that Mr. Bindo he stuck out. Um, there's another student that he was in Edon at the time, but like super, super quick, had amazing kicks. Um, uh, there was a student who was a black belt when I got there, but he was around around my age that, again, was amazing. And he was getting into other like other weapons like um, the comma and stuff like that. And he was amazing. There's just so many amazing people there to begin with to, to model after. Um, and you could tell, and then by seeing that group of his leadership, like you could tell how, how awesome of an instructor he was because he didn't have to say anything. You, like, you saw his students. You, you mentioned weapons. Were, were you into any weapon training then? Um, or did you do other than the staff, obviously? Other than staff. So I remember at one point he, Master Leon said, like we should start like specializing in things. This was getting like, towards Edon and like after our black belt and I think he was really trying to spark that like that self-study type of thing and I just like I went right after the sword which was probably a, a jump but um I did anyway and uh I started practicing like the things that he would show me with the sword um and let on and I actually got shown how to do the original sword form Jangum Young pretty early on and it's now looking back on it, I, I, I feel very fortunate that we have our like our other two forms because the jump to that form um, was was a big a, a big step to do that because there's so many little intricate movements in that form. But like I always loved the sword; it always kind of stuck with me from from that moment. I'm like, well, I'm gonna specialize and and do this, and I just because I just thought it was awesome. Just it's, it's almost like art if you do it really well. Well, we do martial arts, but you understand like it's just like yeah. an artistic expression when you use a sword really well. Yeah, I remember when, you know, for, for those of you who weren't around uh, back, I don't remember, 2005, 2006, before then, uh, the Third Degrees did a very long sword form. And I all, all I ever tell people, they're like, well, what was it? I was like, it has a roll in it. You're rolling <laughs> the sword. <laughs> if that yeah. tells you how difficult it is, it's a really long sword form. But like you said, if you saw someone who was really good at it, you just were in awe. And, you know, we're here in Region 8, there was no shortage of guys that were really good at that form. Yeah. Uh, but I agree. Yeah, it's a big jump because the, it's there's so many things, uh, you know, more than just a cut. You've got stabs, you know, stabs to the back. you got little, just, yeah, it's a great yeah, form. You're one leg, you're rolling, you're jumping up in the air. Yeah, it's it's intense. Yeah. <laughs> Did you, uh, I'm assuming you got a chance to actually compete with that? Um, I did. Yeah, th and this was towards, like, when I got to the point where I was comfortable competing with that, um, it was also starting to transition to where they were adding the other sword forms. Sure, oh, okay. So I competed with uh, uh, Chungo as well. Like, I think that was my last tournament I actually competed with uh, Chungo. I got gotcha. you. Um, did you, did you compete coming up through the ranks? Um, I, I did one tournament when I was a red belt at, uh, master beams, that, that red rose tournament. And 
then I didn't compete again really until I got to first on. And it was just, I was never big in a competition. Like I, I, I liken uh, the martial arts for kind of like, uh, how can it, developing myself. It wasn't so much like, I don't like, I'm, I've never been one like, yeah, I want to win this trophy. It's just never one of my goal. It was never um, a motivator for me is right. rated competition. So like after that first tournament, like it was, it was fun. Like I like the sparring doing the forms was, was a little nerve wracking, but um, it, it was, it was a nice experience, but then I didn't, I didn't really compete again until uh, first on. And that was, I was at, I remember it was Fernwood and I was, um, I think I was there already. I was going to be there already for the promotion ceremony because that was like right after uh, a Don like for Don promotion. So I'm like, well, I'm going to be there anyway. I'm going to compete. So then I just started competing in every tournament that, that came up from then on. So like all for, through the, through black belt, I did compete. I, I remember talking to you in the past where you're just like, uh, you know, going up against all those guys with the long legs. And <laughs> yeah. I had to become relatively quick with my hands for a reason. Um, I don't have the reach, obviously. If, if you've ever seen me in person, I'm not a tall person with long legs. Um, you're, you're making it up with, you're making oh, up. Yeah, definitely long. making it up with the beard. <laughs> that also was not, that was not in the, the repertoire back when we first met. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Much shorter hair all around. Yeah, you got the the hair the hair on top is pretty long too, right? Yeah, yeah, this is getting pretty long. It's kind of funny when I um first started training in those teenage years, like this was starting to happen. So it's like I've reverted back to my my '90s haircut um, through the pandemic. I'm like, well, I feel very comfortable this way, so I'll just keep I'll just keep it this way. So going back to uh, Master Leon, he did he did he retire he decided to retire or or leave the association how did that so his, his studio wasn't doing as well as he liked um so i remember it was my it was right before my edon test and he sat me down in his office and said that um after my edon test he's going to close the studio so i mean that was heartbreaking obviously because that was like where it all started um but i mean i understood i mean it was it's like a business if he's not like he doesn't want to be he didn't want to be um losing money on 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 the on what was hat like on his studio and uh, he was he was a mailman but was his actual his profession and uh so at my edon test i met master conrad so he made that introduction because it wasn't too far away and I was going to be going off to college in that area anyway. So he introduced me to Master Conrad there. And so after the, after the, the promotion, the test, when he closed the school is when I moved on to, um, uh, at the time it was Scranton, Scranton Karate, or um, they changed the name to Northeast Martial Arts eventually. Oh, okay. Um, what else? The, do, you still, uh, yeah. do, you ever, do you still keep in touch with Master Leon at all? Not as frequently as I as I like to. Uh, coincidentally, he actually lives across the street from me. So oh. when I'm walking my dog, like I'll see him, we'll wave or we'll, we'll exchange um, comments every once in a while. He'll message me on Facebook um, now and then. 
I, I know like when he first closed, he, he kind of gave himself a break a little bit and then he started helping out other studios. Like I think he was helping out um, Master Heist for a little bit and he was going to um, Master Fernandez's school and helping there every once in a while. And then eventually now and then he would stop at Master Conrad's school. And then he just kind of stopped and then faded out after a while. Gotcha. How long did you end up uh, at the Conrad's uh, studio? From Edon until my invite to Sodom. Okay. So until my first invite to the master's clinic was right about when when that stopped. It's interesting. I I saw them obviously at many tournaments at black belt tech, uh, camps and, and the like, but I never got a chance to to work with uh, either Master Conrad. On, uh, honestly, mm. I was training with him. Um. It's he. He was like he had also like a a, a very uh, strong knowledge base. Like he knew like a lot of stuff, and he had a a, a way to to um, communicate it so that like you could pick it up relatively easy. Um, I was like instant uki in that school. <laughs> I lost your audio there, sir. say you there yes oh there we go <laughs> a little bit of freeze so it happens when you live out in the middle of nowhere yes <laughs> <laughs> so we were talking about uh so it, for those of you who don't know what uki means is basically the guy who gets thrown about uh when when you're teaching and, and you're saying something, all of a sudden you, you, you need to, uh, you need a visual and you say, come here. Yeah. <laughs> Nick, come here. Lots of falling, lots of uh, tapping, but it made it, I, I feel like it made me a, a, a better instructor because then I could describe to somebody that I was trying to teach those, those movements to like, this is how you should feel when this happens. So like that additional input, um, helped me able to, um, communicate those types of things to other people a little bit, a little bit easier for me. Absolutely. Uh, because you, you know, the instructor can say one thing, but you're, you know, they're saying it. It's like, yeah, he said that, but I also felt this, mm -hmm. like there's this indescribable pain in my wrist that he didn't I, mention that. <laughs> yeah. You got my, my elbow, but also my hand felt like it was about to be ripped off too. Mm -hmm. And I, I absolutely, those little details help when you start to teach as well. Right. Um, so in the the process, you you trained in the Conrads. You taught other places too, right? Yeah, I, I taught for a little bit at um, Master Harsh's studio. At the time, he was opening up a studio, the, his um, second location in Holly. So I taught at Elite for a little bit. Um, but And then after Elite, I that's when I, I opened up my own studio. Awesome. And what, so what year was that? Oh, geez. <laughs> Come on. You got to know when your studio opened. My studio actually was 10 years this past January. Okay. So what? Yeah, that so you knew. <laughs> awesome. Well, congratulations on that. 10 years. It's kind of hard to, hard to believe that that's, uh, it's been that long. Yeah. It's, it's, just when time goes by like that, it's just, it's just incredible. Like I was looking at um, 
like when I started and I'm like, wow, this is, this June will mark my 27th year training in Tung Sado, which doing anything for that long is just crazy to me, but here we are. Yeah, it's, um, and, and the place that you started in, I've never been to your current location, but it was pretty, the place you first started in was pretty small, right? Yeah. So when I first opened, I opened up in, I was sharing space with a, like a fitness studio. So they're like, they're, here's the floor you can use on these time slots. I'm like, okay, cool. So I built the student base up. Um, something happened where they were moving, but like this, the terms weren't something that um, was like we were agreeable to. So I decided to, to find another spot. And then um, I was in, again, a, a not much bigger location, but at least it was my area to mm -hmm. utilize. And I was there for the majority of the time, right on the main Ave, um, next to it, like a jewelry store that got some pretty good traffic. It's been around for a long time. And then okay. the last two years, we moved to a more um, updated building. The floor space isn't much bigger, but there aren't like poles in the middle. So it looks like the floor space is bigger. It's definitely helpful. Yeah. <laughs> not having the poles in the middle of the floor. Yes. Uh, you're, I think you're about three hours or so from, from me. You mentioned some of the studios uh, earlier, like Master Heiss and Master Fernandez. Are you fairly close to those people? Um, ish? It's not, it's ish. Yeah, I would say like 45 minutes to an hour. I'm probably closer to Master Robinson in Tunkhannock. He, gotcha. I would think him, um, Holly's still a little far away. So I guess it's, we're, I'm smack dab in, a middle, in, in the middle of a, a like that may be surrounded by some other studios that anywhere from, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes to up to an hour. Do you ever get the chance to, uh, to train or, or work out with those guys? Um, it's been quite some time since I've worked out with, with Master Robinson or Master Fernandez. I went and a long time ago helped Master Heiss out with a guff test. Gotcha. I haven't I haven't been back to Wheaton quite some time. Yeah, I keep one of the one of these days I've told Master Robinson for years that I need to come up his way and I I need to just do it. <laughs> stop yeah. stop making excuses. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to do the same. It's it's like one of those I tell myself I don't have time, and I'm like, like really do I not have time though? I'm sure I could make some time to go visit and get trained by Master Robinson. Right. So coming up through Region 8, you obviously, I'm, uh, I'm sure, saw and, and got a chance to uh, say hi to, to Grandmaster Shin. Uh, could you share some stories of, of uh, maybe the first time you met him or some of the, some of the stories coming up through the ranks? Um, I think one of the first times I can remember like interacting and, and like a meeting with him was when I was at Master Conrad's studio and he was going to visit Master Conrad. And if I remember correctly, I was supposed to go meet him at a certain location, help him follow me back to the studio. And this is before like cell phones were a thing. And I guess Grandmaster Shin was ahead of schedule and just like went and figured out how to get there. So I'm like waiting for Grandmaster Shin. So then when I get there, Master Connor, I kind of was like, yeah, he doesn't wait for if, if he's ahead. It's like, he's just going to go and, 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 and be where he needs to be. I'm like, okay, sir. So I like, I felt embarrassed, but at the same time, he's like, no, he's like, don't worry about it. Like he was ahead of schedule. So that was kind of like, I felt like embarrassed that, that the first time I'm supposed to meet Grandmaster Shin and be this, 
this person that's supposed to um, greet him back at the studio and I'm not there on time or um, for that. But then um, I really started getting to know like how, how he was as an instructor with that, uh, with the leadership class because he taught once a year for that. Um, and that was just an amazing experience to be, be taught by the grandmaster on a, a fairly regular basis. And um, those original ones were at the original headquarters in um, in Philly, which was it was that was that was an interesting, very very cool experience to go to that class on a regular basis. Were you in the group that uh, had to run barefoot in Philly with Master Casarano? I like missed that by like a year. I think <laughs> I heard the stories on the way down with the with the group I traveled with. Because uh, I traveled with Master Harsh uh, and Master Fernandez and um, Tom Sakua, and sometimes who else? But yeah, we had a group that we traveled with, yeah. and it was like yeah, I heard those stories. Like yeah, we had to run. I missed that by a little bit. I heard the Master Beam stories that I missed. Some of those brutal workouts that he gave. Yes. Yeah. Master Harsh shared his story. Of, of getting there late and <laughs> yeah I heard that on the way and I'm freaking out I'm like oh god because like you know like Philly can be some brutal traffic and I'm freaking out I'm like oh I, do I have time to pee like I don't know I'm just getting my uniform on hope for the best it's like it was like one of those like you hear all these intimidating stories and not know what to expect when you get there right and then when you get there everyone's super nice and it's not nearly as bad mm -hmm. as you thought it was gonna yeah. be when you were talking about Grandmaster Shin, so I, the, what, one of the funny stories I have from him was actually in that, in Scranton that year where we had the tournament and uh, Aaron and I are walking uh, from the hotel to somewhere and all of a sudden we hear, we hear a horn beeping and we look back and it's the association van and Grandmaster Shin's waving out the window going, Dr. Cataldi, hi, Dr. Cataldi. <laughs> He's like waving, uh, waving Aaron down, and then he pulls over and uh, you know talks to us for for, for five minutes. <laughs> it's that just, was something similar to that. Is kind of the first time I realized like he actually knew who I was. Like you know, like I always just go to class and train. That's kind of how like I learned like Master Leon. It, like his thing was like go to class, you train your hardest, and don't worry about what anyone else is doing. Just just find your place in the floor and go. So like I always kept to myself in training. And I remember one time pulling up to um, a leadership class and he had something that he needed brought in. And as I'm getting out of the car, I hear my name. I'm like, who, where is this? And it sounded, I, mean, I knew what it sounded like, but I'm just like, why is he, who's, who is that? And I realized it's Grandmaster Shin calling me over to the van. He's like, you pick this up and take this into the Esther. So I, I didn't realize like, you know, like he, he, he knew who you were. And that was like what I always found amazing about him. Like all of the people that he led and taught, like he knew who you were and, and what you did. Yeah, it's, it's always funny when you start to realize it's like, you know, Grandmaster Shin's at a whole other level. Um, I don't know if I ever actually had a com or had a, a time where he, you know, said, hey, Tim, come over here. But I, I do definitely remember when some of the higher masters are like, you know, oh, that's Tim Watson. It's like, wow, Master, Master Casarano knows who I am or Master, you know, Master Robinson or any of those guys. Yeah. <laughs> that you look up to, it's like, holy cow. 
and then you get to sit with them uh, at Black Belt when you get, you remember the first time you got to sit with the masters at Black Belt camp? <laughs> that was, yeah, um, interesting. It's, it's a very humbling experience. Yeah, because sometimes, you know, and I'm sure they're probably the same way. You, you, you're like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I get to sit with them, too. <laughs> or you're like, oh, man, I got to go sit up there. <laughs> um, so outside of Tung Sudo, what are what are some of the things I know, you know, you've you've only ever trained in Tung Sudo, but uh, you've got the opportunity to train. Did you do some of the silk and steel stuff back in the day with uh, Master Molinar? I got a chance to do that. I've always wanted to. It just didn't. The, the it just never lined up that way that I could do those things. Gotcha. Um, I went to a, a guard with Master Molinaro. Um, that's an awesome experience. Uh, anybody that got was able to do that, or anybody get, when it gets a chance to to receive his instruction. I know he's taught a couple masters clinics, um, and like he's just it's just an awesome awesome clinic with all the applications that he has that he shows for our youngs. And he reminds me a lot of Master Godwin in that if you take a class with him, you have to be ready to uh, receive a lot of information. Yes. <laughs> Because it's just like, okay, we're gonna do this. Oh, if you do this, then you have this, and then mm -hmm. after this, this this goes into that. <laughs> yes. Where you're just like, you just felt you feel beat up by all the information. Uh, you know, let's not even talk about the physical part, but the mental part. It's like I'm exhausted. I don't know what just happened. Yeah, I've heard it as the the mud on the wall technique. That's right. Yes. Mud at the wall, and whatever sticks, you're you're happy to get. <laughs> So, you know, 10 years into being a, a studio owner, what do you think are some of the important things that uh, a new student should, should kind of latch on to or that you really focus on uh, as an instructor? Um, I, I try to make, like a lot of the students that, that join and, and I, get, I empathize with it because that's kind of how I felt is, they some of them feel out of like out of place in in other things and like martial arts is kind of the thing that like they're really they're interested in but um it's just they maybe they're not the best with interacting with other people or and like i've I, I, the same way right so i, I try to empathize with that and like new students i try to get them to realize that we're not all that different we have a lot of more similarities than you might think we do and just give it your best and, and don't worry about what anybody else is, is, is thinking about. Just listen to the instructions, keep your eyes and ears open and, and do your best for every class. And, and before you know it, you'll, you'll start to feel better about the things that you're doing, abilities, your stances, your, your, and your movements and things like that. Yeah, I always love that. Like the martial arts, it's such a, like a melting pot of, of, of different people. Mm -hmm. and uh ev ev everyone's different and you know kind of like you said you don't have to be an athlete you don't have to be you know this that or the other thing you just have to come in and try your best and that's you know that's good enough mm -hmm. <laughs> so you're trying hard and and you know doing your best in, in class it doesn't have to be as good as the guy next to you, you it's just the good you know the the best that that you can give out. Um, I, I think that's one of the things that makes, you know, what we do kind of special. 
Yeah, it's like it's like do your best and be honest about what you feel like your best is. Yeah. And I think that's another like that comes through training and discipline, obviously, is, is like was that something that was that really like my best can or can I get maybe a little bit lower? And that's that constant like little little incremental changes here and there that I think that um and that's probably another thing I would advice I'd give to newer students is like don't worry about big things. Um worry about little things. Like are you doing this one little thing a little bit better each time? And then it turns into a big thing. So instead of like trying to get this whole chunk of like, I want to get this form looking perfect, like pick a piece of the form and, and make it look better. Or maybe just the front stance or go back to basics. Um, like when some people have trouble with certain kicks and like some of the ones that look diff difficult, like the, the, the jump spitting ones and things like that. Look, well, let's go back to basics or the chambers there are the pivoting, is the pivoting the correct way? Like if you start making those little incremental changes, that big thing happens. And it's just like, like how we train now right like we don't but yeah we want to get to black belt but i don't like jump to black belt i go and i those incremental stages white belt orange belt and so on and so forth and then next time a couple years later you look back and like all these belt collars have changed and all you've done is gone to class and put your best effort in every time yeah absolutely and you know at the time i remember going back as a color belt and i was constantly wanting to learn the next form or get to the next belt when you look back at it you know, how, how long did it take you to get to your black belt? Ugh, um, it was at least three years. Right. So if you look at it, three out of your 27 years, you were a color belt. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of crazy to think of it that way. But, you know, that I think that's a, a perspective that some people don't appreciate. Like, you know, you're a color belt, you're an orange belt or a green belt or a brown belt for what, six months tops. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, and what's funny is that's the basis of your, your training is those years. And just, yeah, I try to tell people all the time, like, it's okay. Just slow down. Mm -hmm. Grand scheme of things. If you keep training, this is going to be a really small part of your, your, your journey. Yeah. One of the ways I've kind of, I, I, I describe it to, to students in like two different ways with, with our foundations, like the one way. I, I like to use the like the Lego analogy. It's like you get your base set of Legos and you can build some pretty cool stuff, but if you don't have your base stuff, like you can't build bigger and bigger things. So as you gain skills, you get more Legos and you can build cooler stuff and 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 other things that you do and that you um that you that you enjoy to do. Um so like by Blackball, you've got this huge kit that you can do all these different things with, but without that foundational kit that you've gained through your gut ranks, then those things wouldn't be possible and then the other the analogy i try to give them is is as a color belt i'm handing you tools and teaching you how to use those tools like what each tool does here's a screwdriver this is what you should do with it and then at black belt it's time to start building stuff with it so like you have all those foundational things and what each each tool does each block each kick each stance is supposed to do and then at um at our black belt stages then we're like we're building a birdhouse or we're building a little cabinet or we're doing this and look at all the stuff you can do and it's like how many times have you heard like black belt is just the beginning and i try to emphasize that with like if you don't have those foundations though that beginning isn't going to going to happen it's, so but i try to i try to make as many analogies so it kind of clicks somewhere with people as possible when i'm teaching yeah i do the same thing i, I sometimes i i i try not to beat people over the head with the same thing over and over again but you know, like kind of like you said, I say all the time, if you look back, I got my, 
I got my fourth degree black belt in 2016. Like I got my third degree in I think 2009 or something like that. Like my, you know, now I feel like my, my training now could, I could kick the, the guy who was a third degree black belt, whatever, 10, 12 years ago. Like I'm just such a better martial artist now. I might be a little slower, but <laughs> uh, you know, I feel like I'm way smarter. I, I, I process things way better. Um, you know, and that's just from third to fourth degree, not even talking, like if you even go back farther than that. <laughs> um, you know, and it's like you said, it's a, it's a process, but honestly, you know, 27 years, it's kind of crazy to even think that, uh, you know, someone can focus on something for that long. What do you attribute to that, to the longevity in, in, in martial arts? Um, I don't, I just like, I, I don't get bored with it. I always find something that I enjoy about, about training. And it's with everybody. I am sure it happens that like your focus changes throughout the years, but like, you're always going to find something awesome about what you do. And I think that's important for anything you're passionate. Like if you, if you're passionate about doing something, you need to constantly find something that like keeps you going with it. Like when I was a, a younger student and in my teens and 20s I thought those high flying crazy kicks would do like we try to kick the bag like three times before landing and and stuff that I now I'm looking back I'm like that was dumb like I'm never going to use that but it was fun right so like you do those fun things when you're young and you, you test your athletic ability in that way and then as you get older and your my focus changed I'm like more of a self-defense thing like how can I protect myself in this situation what does this movement do and how what doors does this open up um I'm really into looking like at how each of the forms works now and picking apart those things and like i i don't stop finding things to to examine and look at and and as as i train more and more and i see different like ex, ex, and get exposed to other martial arts you kind of realize that as, as you get more experience you realize that they all kind of merge together after a while because they're they're all linked and the, the human body only moves in so many ways so it's just like finding those connections is fun you recently, I don't know how long it's been, you've started to post uh, videos of you doing various forms uh, on Facebook. What, uh, what's, what's been the motivation to, uh, to put your, your forms and training out there? I, for me, it, it's accountability for myself. Because like, you, you, as an instructor, like you, I'm sure you can attest, like you get in that rut where like, you're, you're so devoted, make, uh, making sure your class is awesome, but then you're not taking time to, to train for yourself. So I, I felt like if I, if I commit to like forms Friday or whatever, like it's Fridays, I, I try to post them, then obviously if I'm going to put it out there for the world to see, I want it to look good. Well, that's going to make me train. So um, I, I set my, my, my camera up and my phone up and I, I just do the form. I review I'm like, okay, I can tweak this. And then I do the form again. I'm like, okay, I can tweak that. And then like what everybody sees is obviously the final result of me training for hours to get that form down. But it was just it it was a way for me to force myself to make sure that i'm i'm working on like forms for myself again so it was just it was a, mostly an accountability thing and plus we're supposed to lead by example right so if i tell my students i'm i'm training and now i can go like look there i am right so i like i am on screen i'm 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 training there so like if i tell you guys to go train at home what do you think i'm doing like this is my time and i'm taking that time to train uh so it's also a way to, to lead by example. It is showing, showing rather than constantly tell them to go do the thing. Like, look, I'm doing the thing. Like, this is, this is how you get there. 
Yeah, it's also a great training tool. And I say this to people sometimes, like I could tell you that you're doing something wrong 20 times. But if you if you can if you can look, if I can go see this is what I'm talking about, like this is the it, you know, little details. Or if they, you know, I tell someone it's like go videotape yourself and watch it. And they'll come back and it's like, oh, I saw that thing that you're talking about. It's a it's a great resource that if if you are out there and you you haven't done it and you want to improve and you you know maybe you're still not getting out to the dojang as much as you can or as much as you want to uh, from COVID, you know, videotaping you yourself is a, sometimes it's a smack in the face reminder. Yeah. You need to focus on things a little more. Well, I mean, you need it though, because the, the camera doesn't lie to you. Right. It's not going to be nice about it. You're going to see yourself like crap. I did that thing. Right. And then you're like, well, well you can either, and then you make your left with that choice of like, well, do I, do I get upset about it or do I just fix it? And I think that's, that's one thing like the martial arts helps us helps us learn is that we have that decision that we can make like if, if we have a mistake or something that that's in our way it's like well we, we can whine about it or we can fix it so and the video the, the camera does not lie so that that's why i do it that is a great that, that is a great training tool in, that, tool in that aspect what are some of the things that you're focusing on as far as uh teaching in class right now um Lately, I've been trying to show everybody like how things are very connected, like, like for curriculum, we're like, we have our one steps, we have our self defense, we have our forms. And sometimes I worry that like, when I'm teaching them anyway, like that, like, yeah, I got to learn these to get this next belt. And they don't see how each thing that we do in classes is just connected as a whole. So like, I'll show like, the, we'll do the form and then I'll show like show them some of the movements from the form. Like, well, this is how we can use this as a self-defense move, or this is how we can use it to, as a sparring move for point sparring or this. Is, so I, I try to, I've been trying lately to show a lot more connections and things. So it doesn't just seem like a, a laundry list of things that they need to get to the next belt, but more of a, this is, this is a part of the whole, this is a part of the, 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 the whole piece that, that we want to like plug back in so that everything flows nice and then we can continue to, to, to learn more. Yeah, that's a great one. I have been doing that a lot lately with the beginners class and trying to reiterate, like when we do our, you know, the world forms that we do the same turn over and over again. Mm -hmm. Right. And I tell people, it's like, don't compartmentalize like this move can absolutely be used in this move, you know, over here, or, you know, little things like you got the first move of Pyon Edon is basically the same thing as Sadon. You just got your hands open. Like you, you're used to these movements already. Don't, don't overcomplicate it. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, cause you can easily apply and, and you, like you were saying, like one step sparring, some people are like, oh, I don't think they're useful, but I think they're very useful. They're great for footwork um and can absolutely help you you know in in every aspect in free sparring it can help you it's basically chunks of our forms mm -hmm. so. yeah and that's one i've definitely been looking at our one steps and and trying to relate them to our form lost you again lost your video your uh, audio there sir Stand by. There you go. You back? Back oh. was internet again. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> You're back. 
So you were talking about like connecting the one steps with our forms. Right. So like, well, you'll I'll identify a movement like, well, like for, um, for instance, they have the like number 24 where we have that or that uppercut and that spear through and then I'll look what the form we have a form that does a similar motion like well there, look there it is so now we get to apply that movement in there it's not such a mystery of why are we doing it like this way we can apply this to a person in front of us now absolutely rather than just leaving it as like a requirement i think that makes the part thing uh if people don't know why they're doing something i think it makes it very difficult to learn it so i i've been trying to give the why that we do things and connect to things to to break down that barrier of just making it as something that they have to learn to get their next belt which if that's going to be the, your attitude it's going to be very difficult to move through each rank like you have to find out and sometimes you do have to kind of figure out what your own why for things is or, or um provide some of your own insight and, and that's what being a black belt obviously is about like we start to make those connections on our own mm -hmm. but um, it, I think it is important to make sure that there at least is a, a little bit of like, well, this is why you're doing things. And, and at least it's not just to get your belt. There's, there's a bigger purpose to everything. Yeah, that's a great point. And like I was saying earlier, I, I feel like as a color belt, I, you know, I didn't, even as an adult, I can't imagine if I was a kid having that understanding that it's like, you know, once you get the black belt, it's at least another two years before you get another rank, right? Like, uh, you know, having them slow down and, and appreciate uh, things. Like I have, like my kids, they, you know, my, my youngest uh, has been stuck at, at blue belt for a while because she's not old enough to test for black belt yet. Mm -hmm. She's like, but I'm not, I'm the only one. I'm like, yeah, you're 10. <laughs> I started when I was 21. Like, you have plenty of time, yeah. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's hard. It's hard for kids to understand that, especially one that has grown up in Tung Sudo. Right. And I think that, that it, those standards are important though. Lost you again. Uh-oh. <laughs> Hopefully I didn't lose him for good. You there? I think I'm gonna go down in history as your most frozen interview. <laughs> uh, we're we're actually getting close to that that hour mark, so that might be the 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 world the world is trying to tell us that it's time to to wrap yeah, it up. Trying to wrap it up. <laughs> hey, thanks for joining me today. Is there anything else you want to touch base on before we finish up? Um, no. I mean, we got we covered a lot of stuff. I just I, I just appreciate the the opportunity to. To talk to everybody out there yeah it's you know the the, well, the way we did it today is is what i love about these talks is being able to just sit and talk to a friend about martial arts and and you know talk about philosophy and and history and things like that so uh thanks for joining me i what what camp are you for the the kids camp are you one the two the twelfth Okay, cool. So, uh, yeah, are you going to be there? Yeah, I'll be there. I have a few students going um, to that, so I'll be there. I think I'm uh, Master Brown asked me to teach, so I think he, he um, has me teaching the, the Eons or Sombrons or something like that. Excellent. Well, I'm excited, though. I'm excited to get back in front of a, a larger uh, – to see everybody again. Like I said, I'm super excited the clinics are, are making their way back. 
Yeah, I agree. I, I, I won't be able to make it to the adult one, which I'm, I'm bummed about, but uh, I will be there for the, the 12th and I look forward to seeing you, sir. Awesome. Thank you everyone for watching today and uh, hope to see a lot of you guys in, uh, in person soon. All right, Tung Su, sir. Tung Su. Later.